biggest games. The biggest events. Wow, the crowd is on their feet. The biggest stories. This is what you signed up for, Seth. I thought it was just in the game. Welcome to the ESPN Esports Podcast. Welcome to the ESPN Esports Podcast. My name is Jacob Wolf, and Rachel is not joining me today. She is currently in Japan on vacation. I am very envious. Today we spoke with Alex Special Chew, the former support of several teams in League of Legends, the Golden Guardians, Team Solo Mid, Team Curse, Team Liquid, Team Dignitas. He's kind of been around a lot of the league. On Monday, Alex announced that he would be stepping down from his support role on Golden Guardians Academy and becoming an assistant coach for the team, the first full-time coaching job he's ever had in his career. Alex and I discussed whether or not this means the end of his playing career as a support player, whether he takes notes about potentially writing a book or a memoir in the future, and also just some really lessons that he shares with younger players when he sits down and talks to them as someone who's played League of Legends for over eight years. But before we get to Alex, a word from our sponsors. Gamers like to customize everything, from their gaming rig all the way down to the way their characters look. And now Schick has developed a way for them to customize their shave too. Introducing new Schick Hydro 5 Cents razors and refills. Equipped with innovative shock absorb technology, the razor auto-adjusts based on how you shave, backing off or adding pressure when needed. Three custom gel formula refill cartridges enable you to further personalize your shave. They're available now in hydrate gel with coconut oil to hydrate throughout each shave, comfort gel with herbal extracts to comfort skin, and energized gel with menthol to wake up tired-looking skin. I don't know about you, but I'm not much of a morning person, so when I wake up, I'm feeling a little groggy, I need to get in the shower and wake myself up, and really I found that the Schick Hydro 5 Cents Energized Gel with menthol has actually really made my skin feel very refreshed, particularly when I get a nice shave in the morning. So customize your shave with new Schick Hydro 5 Cents, available now at Walmart for an everyday low price. For more savings, visit Schick.com. We welcome Big Special onto the podcast. Yesterday you announced, or I guess rather your team announced, that you'll be moving to an assistant coaching role, and this will be kind of really the first time I think you have that title by name. I know you, you've done a little bit of help on the analysis and, and coaching and mentoring perspective of things in the past, but uh, what is it kind of like assuming that role now, and how do you think that will go? Yeah, so this is my full-time uh, LCS um, gig. I've done a bit of coaching with Collegiate before, and I did... Uh, half coaching um, last but on Academy with Golden Guardian. So this is the kind of full-time um, LCS coaching experience that um, I guess I'm finally going to do. I'm pretty excited for it. I think I, after all this time, after all this experience, I think you do have a knack for helping people and teaching people. And I really wanted to bring my experience there. And just I think I do well. I think this is something that um, Tyler and I have discussed um, before the beginning of the season and with the things, um, with how things ended up and him being head coach, he wanted to kind of revisit that and that's where we're at right now. So what do you think about, uh, working with this organization and working with Tyler and, and really taking on this role? How do you think that's going to work? What, what do you expect, uh, kind of your role, if you could go into a little bit more detail to be? Yeah, so um, on Phoenix One, um, Tyler was the coach, or sorry, he was the assistant coach, uh, head analyst, and so he was. He actually went to the house same time that uh, me and Mike Young 
um, got there, and we kind of had a lot of experiences on the team, and it was a situation where we would um, mutually just push each other and you know, try to, to um, help each other become the best analyst slash player that we could be. So we have this kind of um, synergy from Phoenix One, and I think it'll be the same thing on Golden Guardians. I think that this is an org that has... Um, kind of a longer term plan than a lot of the other LCS teams, being that we want to have a lot of growth in our NA players. Um, but we definitely do want to do better. A little better than 10th place would be a good goal for us. And obviously, hitting playoffs would be a massive achievement. So, what do you think of the addition of Mickey? Do you, how do you think that will improve the, the LCS roster for this lineup? So I think High is a great player. He has shown it many years in the past, and even his last split, he was doing decent. I wouldn't say he was doing great, but he was doing decent. And on a team like Golden Guardians, where you have, I would say, a lack of firepower in um, in the carry roles, um, it was hard with uh, a mid laner like Kai, who is much more kind of team-oriented. I think if he had a different roster, different players, he could do more, but... Um, given the strength of the players and their ability to carry, being how rookie and young um, Deathly is, despite his strong performance, I'd say, last split. And um, Samson is just not really known for his strong carry play style. It made it hard for Hyde to have a strong, a strong performance as well. So I think with Mickey, who has much more firepower, who is kind of known for dealing a lot of damage and... He has shown that he can play many different play styles, should help our team and allow our younger um, NA players to develop their own style and be able to play their game. The roster of Golden Guardians is rather young. I mean, the majority of them, some of them have played for longer than others. Obviously, Lorlo and Matt have played for a number of years now, but... Still, overall, I feel like this this roster is still very full of young people. Do you think moving in you into an assistant coach role as someone who is older in terms of age, but also just experience in, in the industry, do you think that will help some of these players kind of uh, adapt and look to you for mentorship? That's the goal, right? I mean, I've been playing for so long, and I have so much experience. I don't want my players to be able to draw from that. I want them to provide their confidence in me to help them succeed, and... That's my big goal. I mean, I, I'm obviously I haven't played for so long, so I I need to be able to do something like this if I want to have a good coaching career. And it's kind of the first step, and I think it's a very natural transition for me, being that um, I was just you know the academy coach, and now or now or well half coach, and now I'm I'm kind of more full time in the LCS position. So was it your decision, or was it the organization's decision to move you into a coaching role? It was a it was definitely my decision. They asked me, um, well, Tyler and I talked about it briefly. He asked if I was interested, and I told him this is something that I want to do, and the org was was okay with it, and they thought it was a good idea. I think with um, they were definitely looking for another assistant coach, being uh, with the previous coach, um, uh, having exit the organization in a very abrupt way. Um, they want someone more experienced to be able to assist uh, Tyler with uh, more of the macro and in-game stuff. So they're definitely looking, and being that I was interested and I was kind of right there, it made a lot of sense. And then they were able to find really strong academy candidates to fill my spot and to provide the lack of leadership 
that um, me leaving would um, end up. So is it fair to say that this is the end of your playing career? I think it is a good assumption. I don't, I would never say it, I will never play again. I think it's very possible being that I, um, I know that when I'm motivated and I want to do something, I can do it. It's just at this moment in time, my focus is on coaching rather than playing. Um, yeah, this year I think I really tried to focus a lot more on the coaching aspect rather than focusing on individual play. And yeah, it's just kind of where I've been leading towards this whole year. And this coaching position is just kind of, um, the summary of all, all my past few months of experience. So with, with the Golden Guardians, it, it's really interesting to me. You've moved around a lot of organizations in your career. I would say you're one of the players that has really gotten a taste of what everything looks like. How do they compare to the way they work versus some of the other teams you've played on, whether it be Apex, Phoenix One, Dig, TSM, Liquid? What? How does how does this hold up, and how is it different from, from uh, your past experience? So a big thing, obviously, is this little franchising. It made there be a slightly less emphasis on winning um individual games uh on your positioning uh, on your on your placing in the season um previously that was kind of all that matters here there is a lot more focus on growth and i think we kind of made the mistake of focusing too much on that and and thinking that we don't care about positioning at all but in the end positioning does matter it really shows um your team's growth it, it really showcases uh, the potential in your players and nobody is happy um, being 10th place. And we certainly are. We aren't satisfied with that. And this is why we're making changes. We want to do well. Had we not cared, we probably wouldn't do anything, right? But, like, we want to do better. We want to allow our players to have success. And maybe success won't necessarily be in wins. But it certainly wasn't. Uh, it certainly didn't show last split. Whether we do wins or whatever. We just didn't have the performance that we needed. And... We're looking to change that. So my next question for you is is really to you, what what does the future look like for competitive League of Legends and how do you think everything's going to go from it as a game and how it works in terms of an ecosystem, but also in terms of performance. Like this this may be one of the best blitz we've had in North America. Team Liquid looks phenomenal. Um and how do you think just competitive League of Legends landscape changes over the next couple of years with franchising and bigger money and bigger teams? Yeah, so this year was a pretty big test for Riot with the franchising system. I think um with how strong the teams were and how amazing the the games were overall, I think it was really good. It was a really good season. And as a viewer, as a player, um, it was nice to see. I think it was a pretty big change, especially with Last Worlds kind of not being as exciting. Um, the patch just wasn't as fun. I'm, I'm pretty excited for this season. I think Worlds this year is going to be really killer. I really want to see, obviously, NA do well. Last year was so disappointing to see the drop-off from Week 1, Week 2. And, yeah, I mean... I want to see something different, and this year really showcased something different with Team Liquid being the first finals, winning the first time in in NA, being one of the few teams to have done that, and all these things are just adding up to hopefully a strong MSI performance and a strong world performance, and I guess a renewed interest in NA League of Legends, which I would say 
hasn't gotten kind of stale of how dominant um, Korea and China and even Europe has been against us. How was it satisfying at all, rather, to see your former team win and to finally see them lift a trophy? Definitely. I mean, I have friends on all these teams. To see anyone win is is exciting. Even if it was TSM, with you know how much TSM hate there is. Like, I love seeing Mike um, Bjergsen. Like these guys who always work hard, and I see you know how much effort they put in. Like, I, I like seeing people win. And no matter what, there's going to be winners and losers, and just celebrate the winners and understand the losers will have another chance. And it's just it's tough to to be on either to to be on losing and always. But it, it's, I just try, try to take the positive from it, right? Like, just, man, at least my friends are winning, even if my other friends are not. Do you think the Academy League is something that's truly going to work as intended to train new talent, to take shots on people that haven't had it, whether that be solo queue players or, or people who maybe aren't as popular as, as some of the veteran players that have played in it this past split? Do you think it's truly going to be that, that volume, or do you think it will just be stacked filled of former LCS pros? Well, I definitely think that this last split we saw very few LCS pros. Every team, a lot of teams didn't have any, a lot of teams only had one. I think this is pretty much the best outcome we could have had in terms of um, rosters. And I think next split we're going to see a bit more LCS kind of former players. But at the same time, from my experience uh, playing in Academy, watching Academy teams, talking to other Academy players, it seems like a big concern, at least from that standpoint, is that a, a lot of Academy players aren't putting in the amount of effort that you expect from a Academy player, from someone who wants to be in the scene. Um, or want to get into LCS. And that, that's my biggest concern is, um, why are the players who are supposedly the new up-and-comers not putting in as much or more effort than the veteran players, right? Like, that's more important to me than the fact that veterans are playing in Academy. What do you think has to change? You know, we we hear all the time about South Korea and how hard the work ethic is and the amount of time and... If, if that's truly why we can attribute why they're such a great region for competitive esports, um, if that's the case, what do you think has to change in North America to make players more motivated to potentially reach that level, or do you think it just can't change at all? I think a lot of limitations has come from a lack of player base. If we had, you know, a lot more players, I say three, four times the amount of players that play ranked, um, we probably wouldn't be a lot more competitive. I think a lot of it just comes down to sheer numbers. And that, combined with the work ethic, is just not a good recipe for when Korea just has more players, they work harder, you're just not going to have as good teams. And that's why in Korea you have several competitive teams, whereas in NA for a long time you really only had two or three. And things are changing with the split, being that we're importing a lot more and kind of really um, cementing the strong NA players in each team. Uh, stuff like that is, is helpful. Um, but... A lot of it is going to be up to these new players, these academy players, and hopefully we're able to find, you know, more players like Cody Sun, more players like Defley who have the potential and are able to tap into it and have a work ethic to catch up and surpass um, the veterans in NA and hopefully even the Korean players. Do you think that it's there's a possible outcome where North America could be the best region in competitive League of Legends worldwide? 
Like, if we look into the future for five years, is is there any chance at all? Not in five years. I think it's it'd be impossible. At least not for League of Legends. We just don't have enough players. Um, straight up, I think in a different game, maybe perhaps if there's you know if we're able to be comparable in that. I don't I don't think it's necessarily like a culture or any at that point. I think it's just sheer numbers. Um, I think that's possible that we can win worlds or win MSI that sort of thing. But to say we have the best region, I don't think that's possible. Do you think with new organizations coming in with bigger pockets, being able to do like Clutch did and, and provide more analytics and do like a giant scouting board, do you think that will build more optimized teams in League of Legends rather than looking at an eye test of a coach or a manager? Um, I still think an eye test for coaches and managers is a tough thing to do, being that so much of performance of a team is just the players themselves, and the coaches and managers are just there to support them and there are times when it's hard to showcase results, um, no matter how good of a manager or a coach you are. Um, I definitely think it should be a balance. I think you need to have strong analytics. You need to have a strong team that can can figure things out. But at the same time, you need a strong. You need people who know what they're doing, and it's hard to tell, right? It's just it's honestly really tough to do an eye test of that. And a lot of it's going to be word, word of mouth and how the players feel about the coaches and the managers. Do you think it's gotten better in that way? The the sense that, that scouting teams and putting together teams in League of Legends is a little bit, I wouldn't say easier, but more efficient rather than it has been in the past? I think it gets better each year. I think with a with more, more and more money, you have stronger and stronger players, and you have players just more, more motivated nowadays. It's, it's a combination of things, and I think we really saw that with you know, it's just strong imports um, from pretty much every single team. And I, I think it's just a natural way of just mm-hmm. if there's more money, there's going to be more competition. So we're going to take a quick break, but when we come back to Expecial, we will continue to talk more, and then we will also talk about his career in the past. Uh, stay tuned. Welcome back to the ESPN Esports Podcast. I am still joined by Alex Shu, Expecial, the now assistant coach with Golden Guardians, former support for a lot of different teams in North American League of Legends. So I think it's funny the other day, I was having a really long discussion about the maturity of the people in League of Legends and how things have changed, but specifically around a lot of the people that are involved in TSM. Uh, we were talking about some of the like early scandals about uh, with St. Vicious and Elements blowing up each other on a live stream on uh, camera, and then also in terms of TSM, some of the th- stuff with you and Reginald and how that is now morphed into these people being much more mature adults just by nature of age. Uh, but also, like, Reginald just sold part of his company for $25 million. You know, like, the, the guy's doing pretty well for himself, I would say. Um, looking back, if if 25-year-old Expecial had to tell 18-year-old Expecial you know, I would do this different. What would you say to yourself? Oh man, there's so much I would tell myself. I was this is what everyone tells themselves about when they're younger, right? Like you, you know nothing. You're dumb, and I really needed that when I was eighteen, nineteen, and I was just like a cocky teenager. Um, you know, I felt like I was at the top of the world, and just needed to ground myself and. Um, I just it just comes of age. I I think everyone was like that in the I hope during that time in the, of their life, and I it wasn't just me. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it, it's funny looking back. People always bring up those videos. They they kind of talk about it. I'm just like, yeah, we're just 
dumb back then, like, just how we were. You had any type of, like, mentor, or maybe you don't even know them, but you pay attention to someone in, in another topic, whether that be sports or, or whatever. Do you, Did you have someone that you kind of looked up to consistently through the last couple of years of your life as, like, a, a consummate professional and learning and maturing as a athlete? So, I think I just try to get a little bit off each person that I've worked with or interacted with. Um, something that like my grandma used to tell me it's like don't focus on negatives of a person just bring out the positives and understand their positives and learn from them and you know people always talk about all these negative things about St. Vicious but I think he had a lot that I learned from him um him as a coach him as a person there's a lot I drew from him and there's things that people say that aren't as great but you know just take the positives from each person I think he's He's a really good person and was a good player. Um, not so much nowadays. I mean, kinda. Um, and he's a good coach too. So I learned a lot from him. And before that, I would learn from from Reggie. I would learn from Dan, his older brother. Um, just many people. I think there's so many people who've interacted in my life, and I've just learned so much from. And I definitely feel the impacts. Towards kind of like the tail end of your career, you did get to work with people like St. Vicious. You did get to meet more experience and, and play with more experience and veteran people throughout the industry. And obviously that's just nature of, of growing up and, and uh, many of you being in the industry for quite a while. What has that environment been like versus playing with young players on, on Golden Guardians Academy? It's different. You kind of see their experiences. You kind of understand, okay, it's where they've been this is why you do this and it can be hard trying to interact in a way where it's like oh like i have my own experience you have yours like how do we how do we share that how do we work together as a team and understanding that part that you're two different people two different upbringings that sometimes things aren't going to work out 100 percent, and you need to be able to compromise and learning to do that and and going through the steps and emotions and the feelings that are involved is something that I'll carry with for the rest of my life. And understanding that is just part of life. Just understanding people are different. People are going to disagree with you. And you can both be right and both be wrong. Another odd kind of like off-the-wall question. Have you ever considered writing some of this down? Like writing memoirs or writing a book just for yourself? <laughs> um. I, in terms of a memoir or a book, I haven't exactly thought of that. I mean, a lot of my experiences, I think, I just kind of keep to myself, and, and I try to help people who are willing to listen. I think um, the last culprit was Mike, uh, Mike Young. I think I imparted a lot of my knowledge onto him. And, yeah, I mean, I'm always willing to talk about my experiences. This is not everyone's, everyone wants to listen, and um, I tend to be known to ramble a lot, so that doesn't really help, but... I think maybe in a couple of years I'll I'll actually write it down into a book or something. But for now, I just kind of keep it in my head. It's something I've thought about a lot. You know, it's I'm a writer. I pen out probably about ten thousand words a week. It's it's something that it's probably very hard to maintain as a journalist because the journalism part of it takes such a, a long time. And obviously, the book would be like a side project. But I think, like I think, as as the esports audience grows older and there's different types of content consumed because right now we see like the the type of content that is consumed in esports is very much low effort and and quick right like it's 
four minutes videos, yep. three minute videos. Mm-hmm. That that's the highest. Memes. Yeah, memes like thing, <laughs> things that don't really take a lot of effort and they're very short and easily consumable. They don't take the consumer a lot of effort to to pay attention to. Um, you know, I think that will change as they get their older and their consumption habits change. I think it has certainly since you know all of us were uh, teenagers. I, I think that. It's gotten better, but I, I would be really curious. You know, I, I'd love to see someone, someone in North America legal or North American League of Legends, if the game continues. I'd love to see someone in ten years sit down and write something, uh, write a book, or, or write some short stories, or you know, like something like uh, I don't know if you've read it, Basketball and Other Things by Shea Serrano, where it's just like a bunch of weird stories about basketball, and they're all like pieced together in a short stories book. I think there's so many, like, funny things in League of Legends of, like, oh, you threw all these teenagers together in a hotel room and they've never met each other, you know? Just, like, some of these, like, really funny anecdotes from seven years ago. Yeah, I mean, I definitely am interested. I I like writing about stuff where I'm not being graded on, and, yeah, I saw me down. It's something <laughs> I think it'd be really fun. I think I have a lot of stories that you want to share. I think a lot of old players do. I love listening to, for example, um, say, talk about his stories, and I'm, I'm sure it's the same way with some of these younger players when they hear my stories. Yeah, so what, what is the impression you get from, from these young players when, when they hear? Because, I mean, there are some of them, like Mike Young, who, since he's been in this league, like, it's, it's been funded by multimillionaires and billionaires, you know? Like, it, it's, it's such a different atmosphere. Like, you're living in a mansion, you're, you're playing in relatively good conditions versus seven years ago when, you're not, you know, it's, it's a very different environment. How do, how does he like, how does he and others that you've talked to that are younger kind of like react to some of your horror and, and weird stories from, you know, almost a decade ago? I think they, they can't understand it. I think it's something that it's like, they're, they're too young as part of it. And the other part is they, they've never seen worse. And so for them, it's just like, Oh man, look at, look at your grandpa talking about his stories back in world war two. That's kind of how I feel like, where no one really understands what exactly what I'm saying, but it sounds pretty funny and it sounds really, really interesting. So they love to listen. It's just something. It's a different world to them. And for me, just looking back, yeah, it was a different world, and things were different back then, and they have it way better now. Man, you uh, you're a grandpa of League of Legends at 25 years old. That's something else. It, yeah, I mean, it, it really is. I, I mean, all my all my friends are dead or retired at this point. Like that's what I see. Jesus, <laughs> it's true. It's true. So, what? Why do you think age? Why do you think age is such a, uh, I guess, detriment in esports? Like, do you think it actually is something to do with reflexes and and how you change from the time you're a teenager to the time that you're you're in your mid twenties or your late twenties? Or do you do you think it's just burnout? Like, what do you attribute that to? I don't think it's like, it's physical at all. I don't think it's about my reflexes or anything like that. I do notice a bit of that, but a lot of it, a really a huge portion of it is just when I was 17, 18, 19, 20, 21, everything I, I did was about League. Um, I wake up thinking about League. When I'm brushing my teeth, I'm like, okay, I'm thinking about this matchup. I'm just, That's just all I had on my mind. And my whole life just evolved around League. And as I got older, you started, you know, you, you have a girlfriend or whatever. You um, want to live on your own. You... Um, want to go travel? Like, there's things on your mind that isn't just the game, and in esports especially, because League of Legends is constantly changing. It's constantly a different game. Season one and season seven, season one and season two, season one, season three, season eight and season seven. Like, these games are completely different. You could put 
you could call this League of Legends eight, and you know you could have sold it on on Amazon and people would have bought it. And it, it's a completely different game, and so it's really unfair um, in a way where for us players we have to constantly adapt and constantly keep up. Where in in traditional sports like soccer, any any traditional sport, the game is basically the same. Um, the moment that you start playing at when you're four years old to the, to when you retire at forty or whatever. You're still playing the same game. The rules may be a little different here and there, small changes here and there, but essentially the same game. And you don't have to adapt every single two weeks that we have to do in esports. And that causes the burnout. That causes players who aren't able to keep up, who aren't able to put in 10 hours, 12 hours uh, for many, many, many years in a row of very few breaks. And those are the guys that fall behind. And it's very natural when you're 25 to not think about League of Legends constantly. I think it'd be kind of weird to um, after some years. Do you think that do you think that team team houses are a detriment to some of the the burnout that you receive? Because obviously it's you're pressured by your environment. You're living with teammates that maybe they're playing solo queue when you want to just relax and do something else. Versus, where in traditional sports, you like you leave the field, you leave the practice field, and you go home, or you leave the practice court and you go home, and you have your family, and it's 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 the time to disconnect and like binge Netflix or something, right? Like where you don't feel that pressure. Do you think that the team houses contribute to some of that burnout for older players? So it's a double-edged sword. I think it does contribute to burnout because you're around teams all the time. Um, any moment that you're not at your computer practicing, you feel guilty because you know that some of your teammates are. Um, but at the same time, I think it's necessary. It, it really sucks to, to hear it or to say it, but I think it is necessary for a team to be as competitive as possible because on the other side of the ocean, in South Korea, China, um, that's what they do. And maybe we'll find out in a couple of years that it's not the most efficient way. But so far, from what I've seen, um, I think it's very hard to find that balance where it's just perfect and you can have both a social life and um, be able to play professionally. I think so far, it just seems like those that focus on the game 24-7 are the guys that, that just do better. Do you think the increased, I guess, concern and... Increased concern, but also just caring about mental health and, and trying to better that with sports psychologists or sports mental health coaches. Do you think that's a, an improvement that will also help, uh, say, the guys that are 18 years old now and seven years later that they maybe feel a little less burned out than you do? Uh, that's tough to say. I think that the guys that play nowadays still play a comparable amount of hours to when I was first playing. Um and I think the players that aren't, the players that won't burn out, are the players who won't get a chance to not burn out, where they just don't have the drive or aren't able to put in the hours needed. Because if they're not putting in 12 hours when they're 17, they're not going to put in 12 hours when they're 21. That's the way I kind of see it. And maybe things change, you know? Like, people are always different. Um, but the guys that I have the most faith in are the guys who are putting a lot of hours down, knowing that the reason why they're they're playing isn't because they're motivated by money, but because they're motivated by success and the the drive to win and that sort of thing that kind of drove the guys back in season one that might not be the case for the guys in season seven and eight um because of how much money there was and how much lack of money there was back then well this has been great i super appreciate you taking the time to do the podcast your answers are insightful as always and you know i saw an opportunity to talk to you about the move to the coaching role and also just some of the funny stuff and how things have changed it's uh it's rare nowadays to find people who have been around esports for more than five years you know i've been a consumer since i was 
basically 11 years old, and that was 10 years ago. And uh, finding anyone that's been been around that long is is rare. So I appreciate you taking the time to talk to me and uh, have some fun. Yeah, no, thank you so much for inviting me. I mean, you never know, man. Maybe next year I'll be gone too. These things change all the time. It's like I said, all my friends are just retired or they're missing. So I don't know. That's <laughs> just how it is. Yeah. Well, if you retire, we need to keep in touch anyway. So. Like retire, retire Sounds from good. esports. So I don't um, know. I don't know if that ever happened, man. I, I think, I think for people like us, we just stick around like glue. It's just, it's hard to get rid of us. That's, that could also be a, a good or a bad thing. You never know. That's true. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you, man, and uh, have a good one. Thanks for listening to the ESPN Esports Podcast.